Hello, welcome to episode two of the Callcast. I am your host, Chris Collins. It is uh, a very miserable Thursday, the 25th of October. Uh, say miserable, the weather is... Um, we're a long way away from summer now, uh, especially here in the, uh, the studio slash my house in North Wales. Um... And what a week it's been in the MMA world. Um, I'm one of those that falls into the trap, especially after a big event like we had with UFC 229 with Conor and Khabib. Um, I quite often fall into the trap of thinking, you know, big event, looked forward to it for ages, now it's over, everything's going to go quiet. Not at all. Um, As far as my recollection goes, this might actually be one of the craziest weeks for uh, for news in uh, in the whole of 2018, so a big bumper edition today. Um, go through all the news stories this week, and then we'll break down uh, UFC Moncton, which is on Saturday night, uh, the 27th. Obviously, the main event in that is Volkan Ozdemir versus Lionheart Anthony Smith. So let's just jump straight into it. The big news story for this week, um, uh, actually come out yesterday. I read this last night. Uh, scrolling through Twitter of all things, Demetrius Johnson and Ben Askren are at the centre of what would be a historic MMA trade between the UFC and One Fighting Championships. Um, obviously, many of you know One Fighting Championships is one of the biggest MMA promotions in the world, especially. Actually, yeah, I would say it's the biggest outside of the US. Um, obviously, the UFC and Bellator are leading the way, but um. You know, you got uh Shatri Sichifong, uh Victor Chewy and Rich Franklin sort of running the show over there uh, in Asia. Um and they've got a, a solid um stable of fighters, obviously including Ben Askren. They've also got the likes of Bibiano Fernandez, uh Shinya Aoki, um who's who's obviously a big star over there as well. Uh but yeah, the the news that's coming out from yesterday, um originally reported by Ariel Hawani, I think. Uh is that the UFC and One FC are getting ready to trade, trade the two uh, the two fighters, and there's a lot of emotions involved with this. Um, first off, excitement. Ben Askren is a monster, uh, eighteen and zero. Um, he's obviously never stepped foot in the UFC. It's one of the great shames that he's never stepped foot in the UFC. Um, you know, people, uh, especially the. Diehard MMA fans have been crying out for Askren to come over to the UFC for a long, long time. Obviously, the the big stumbling block in that was his um his small feud with Dana White. He said some nasty things to Dana White. Dana White says some nasty things back. All childish stuff. Um, but he was cleaning up shop in Bellator. Um, and then obviously went over to One FC, won the welterweight title over there as well. Um. Like I say, monster. He he's beat some top top guys, uh, in Bellator especially. You know, he won the title against Lyman Good. He beat the likes of uh Jay Heron over there, uh Carl Amasu, um Shinya Aoki, who obviously fights for one FC now. Um he he's he's beaten him uh over at one FC in in his last fight before he semi retired. Uh, but switching back to Bellator, you know, the big two wins he had over there were uh, Douglas Lima and Andre Koroshkov, who are obviously still right at the top of the welterweight division um, over at Bellator. Um, 
when he switched over to one FC, he won the title against a sort of not unknown, but um, very small number of people know about Nobutatsu Suzuki. Um, it was never going to be a troubling fight for him. He won that uh, that fight by KO punches. Um, he's he's just been wrecking shop all the way through his career. A uh, couple of questionable moments in his fight with Jay Heron. Uh, I think that's the only time really that he's shown any weakness. Uh, and we've always wondered, obviously, with his high wrestling pedigree, what he would do if he went over to the UFC. Um, he, stylistically, he looks like he'd be a nightmare for a lot of the guys at one seventy. Um, and it's it's interesting now to see what's going to happen. If he comes over to UFC, I'm hoping so. He said on his own Twitter that he was 98% certain that it was going to happen. So, fingers crossed, it'll be interesting to see, uh, firstly, what matchups he gets. Uh, he obviously has been clamouring for GSP for a long time. There's been talks about him having a super fight with Khabib. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with him with, with 170. And um, one of the more interesting things as well is the fact that his uh, his teammate at Rufus Sport, uh, Mr. Tyron Woodley, is the one seventy pound champion in the UFC. So whether they face off down the line, who knows? the The sad part about this is the fact that it's looking like Demetrius Johnson is going to one FC. Um, Demetrius Johnson, for me, is top three greatest of all time. Yeah, his resume speaks for itself. He's lost three times in his career. He obviously lost against Brad Pickett very early on in his career. He lost against Dominic Cruz um, a bit earlier on in his career when Dominic Cruz was the Dominic Cruz. Um, he was the, obviously the 135-pound champion in the UFC at that time. Then he went over to training with Matt Hume, and he's looked pretty much perfect since then. His only other loss against Henry Zahudo in a fight that I thought he won by three rounds to two. A lot of other people thought he won that fight as well. Obviously, very, very close. Um, not to take anything away from Henry Zahudo. He looked excellent in that fight. But, yeah, he, DJ's pretty much looked unstoppable uh, ever since he started the 125-pound division in the UFC back in 2012, I believe it was. Obviously, he had his, his fights with... Um, his fights in that that four man tournament, um, obviously he had uh, Ian McCall the two fights with him, Uncle Creepy, and then the final against Joey Benavidez. Ever since then, he he's beaten the likes of Benavidez again. Uh, obviously you remember that nasty KO over Benavidez. Um, he's beat Sam Henry Zahudo before, um, Kyoji Haraguchi. You know he's he he's beaten everyone that they presented to him uh, that weight class, and he he's done amazing things. Um, the 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 sw- submission switching midair from from suplex takedown to armbar over Ray Borg is obviously a highlight. Um, what he did to Wilson Hayes, Wilson Hayes is obviously you know classing him as a phenom, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu phenom. Submitted him. You know he's he's been unstoppable. Um, so to see him go to one FC is sad. Um, I don't know. If it was even, or if it's even required, to be honest, I'm sure, especially with Rich Franklin, um, obviously the vice president over at One FC, I'm sure that some sort of deal could have been agreed with with Ben to come over to the UFC, um, whether that's financial or otherwise, um, you know, to realise his dream uh, of fighting in the UFC and fighting the best in the world, proving that he's the best in the world. Uh, whether Demetrius Johnson needed to be used as a as a pawn in in this. 
you know, I I don't know. We'll never know. We'll never know the ins and outs of of what that deal um, what that deal entails. But it is sad to see DJ go. He is one of the greats, um, potentially the the greatest of all time. Uh, you're probably never going to see someone defend the title as many times as he did, uh, in in the flyweight division. And this is probably going to mean the end for the flyweight division as well. Um, without Demetrius Johnson, obviously, the only sort of Semi-star at the division now is Henry Cejudo, the, who's the current champ. Um, and there's been talks of him having his next fight against um, TJ Dillashaw. Uh, that was supposed to happen at Flyway. I'm guessing now with the news that DJ might be going over to 1FC, uh, that this will mean that the Flyway division is scrapped and Henry Cejudo will probably move up to 135 to, to face TJ Dillashaw for the Bantamweight title there. But we'll see how that develops uh, further down the line. But yeah, big big new story. Um, whether it sets a precedent as well for, for for going forward, who knows? Um, if it happens once, it's likely to happen again. Uh, you could see, you know, many more trades like this. You could see trades between DFC and Bellator, Bellator and One FC. Um, you know, who who knows really? Uh, what what could lead on from this? But yeah, DJ. Going over to one FC, asking over to the UFC. Uh, we'll see how that one develops if it actually gets confirmed, but it's looking pretty good at the moment. Uh, other big news story of the week: Rockhold again, another sad story. Luke Rockhold is injured and out of his UFC two thirty matchup with Chris Weidman. Uh, the rematch of their fight um, a couple of years ago for the middleweight title, which Luke Rockhold obviously won in the fourth round. Uh, after Wyman threw through that ill-fated um, spinning kick against the cage, really, really sad that we're not going to get to see this again. But um, I'm sure it happened down the line. Uh, the good news is that we we get uh, Ronaldo Jacare Souza stepping in on short notice to face Chris Wyman uh, on November the third, Madison Square Garden. That is a a great fight for both men. Obviously, Wyman's looking to take one step further to to consolidate in his number one um contender status in the middleweight division. I think a win over Jacare should make him the next in line. Uh Jacare obviously looking to get back in line himself. He's looking to to bounce back after a, you know, a rough couple of years really. Um rough rough couple of losses. Uh especially the ones against Kelvin Gastelum not the wind out of his sails a bit so uh, it'd be interesting to see how that fight plays plays out. I'm going to break that down in next week's episode. Obviously, UFC 230 only a couple of weekends away. Uh, the NSAC hearing, disciplinary hearing, happened this week. Um, looking at what happened with Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor at UFC 229. Um, not much really happened from, from the hearing apart from... The NAC have agreed to uh, release half of the $2 million purse that uh, that obviously belongs to Khabib. The other half's been withheld uh, pending further investigation into what happened. Um, but the interesting part is uh, Anthony Marnell, the, the NAC chair, uh, actually sort of backtracked a little bit, said, you know, if... I believe what he said was if if he would have had the video footage available to him then that he has now that he he would have withheld Connor's money as well, which I think is the right decision. You know, fair's fair. They both played the parts in, in what happened there, and and they should both be be punished equally. I think. What happens going forward, I don't know. I I can't imagine they're gonna withhold the rest of his money. I can see both men getting a, 
maybe a six month suspension. Um, it's not going to make a difference anyway. I don't think they would have been back before summer next year. So, uh, we'll we'll see how that one plays out, how it develops. But yeah, Khabib is um is one million dollars uh, richer today, thanks to the Nevada State Athletic Commission. Uh, Dana White's come out this week um, saying that he's not interested in trying to book another Nate Diaz fight. Obviously, Nate Diaz was slated to face Dustin Poirier in a couple of weeks. Um, didn't happen. Poirier had to, to back out of a hip injury. And then Nate Diaz refused to take a short-notice fight. Uh, Dana White's claimed that he's he's offered Nate Diaz uh, about 50 fights. He's turned them all down and that he's in a state with... Nick, uh, Nick and Nate Diaz now where he's just waiting for them to be absolutely desperate to fight and uh, approach him which I think is right to be to be fair um, I don't disagree with what Nick and Nate Diaz are doing in terms of holding out for what they think is their worth uh, good on them, I think they should get paid um, they're obviously big stars in the sport and they're going to bring a lot of eyes onto, onto the next pay-per-view that they star in um, you know, again, sad that we're not seeing the Diaz brothers fight in in what is arguably the the peak years of their career. Um, especially Nick, we've not seen him since since his fight a, a few Januarys ago against Anderson Silva. Um, Nate, we've not seen since his uh, his big money fight against Conor McGregor, the rematch, uh, which he lost by decision. So it, like I say, sad to see that they they're not fighting regularly, but. You know, good that they're they're holding out for what they think their worth is. Um, if only more fighters would do this, you'd probably see fighter pay go up very quickly. Um, but Nick and Nate Diaz are obviously they're in a, a league of their own. Um, fight styles, personalities, uh, the cult following they have, and everything. So, um, watch your space. We'll see if they we'll see if they ever come back. If they ever come back. Conor McGregor came out on Instagram this week uh, with his own breakdown of what happened in his UFC 229 main event with Khabib, uh, breaking it down round by round. Um, we've seen him do this before. Uh, the, the, the good thing I can say about Conor is he is very honest about his shortcomings. We saw it when he lost at UFC 189 against Nate Diaz the first time. Um, I'm, I think we're seeing it again now. Uh, the most interesting thing about the Instagram post, what I've read into it, is you can see that the loss is eating away at him, um, which is fantastic because that obviously means that the competitive fire is still there for him. And the, the, the key part of that post that he put on Instagram is the fact that he said if Khabib's not the next fight, then he's more than willing to face the next in line. Which is one hundred percent the right attitude. Um, if if he means what he said, it, fantastic to see. Um, I think you're gonna see uh, a reinvigorated Conor McGregor come back for for his next fight, no matter who it's against. Uh, the options are are plentiful. To be honest, he's got big money fights there with Nate Diaz. Um, the rematch with Poirier makes sense at this point because of Poirier's run at light rate, lightweight. Sorry. Um. Could be the Khabib rematch, although I think Khabib should get Ferguson next. Could be Ferguson because of Ferguson's standing in the lightweight division. Um, who knows? Who knows what's next for Connor? But I think you're going to see uh, a fired up Connor in his, his next fight. Um, I, I wouldn't be shocked to see him um, win his next fight and, and earn that rematch with Khabib again. Um, Khabib also had a cheeky response underneath Connor's, uh, Connor's post. 
saying uh, it's it's just business pretty much um repeating what Connor said to him uh after the second round of their fight at UFC 229 um obviously the tensions are still high between Connor and Khabib that that feud is far far from over um you'll definitely 100% see them two in the cage again uh the question is not if but when uh, a couple of matchups announced for upcoming events um two have been announced for uh UFC 231 on December the 8th um obviously that's the Holloway Ortega fight um with Valentina Shevchenko and Joanna Jacek uh fighting in the co-main for the uh women's flyweight title uh the first fight is Gunnar Nelson um has been slated to fight Alex Oliveira uh, that should slide into the main card and is quite an important fight at welterweight to be honest. Um, we've not seen Gunnar Nelson for a while, uh, not since he lost, um, I want to say about a year and a half ago in Glasgow to Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, obviously, a slightly controversial loss because of the eye pokes and um, the, the way that fight finished. Uh, but yeah, we've not seen Nelson for a long time. It'd be interesting to see how the layoffs affected him. Obviously, before that, he he went on quite a decent run. Um, he had the 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 close fight with with Rick Story that he lost. Obviously, he, he was beaten by Damian Mayo, and Damian Mayo was on his big run at welterweight. But he he picked up big wins against Brandon Fatch, um, Albert Tumanov, uh, who who was doing very well in division at the time. Obviously, Alan Jaban was a good win. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how the layoffs affected Gunnar Nelson, especially with Alex Oliveira being so, um, so busy. Um, since he's moved back to welterweight, he's six one and one at welterweight. Um, he had the no contest with Tim Means. Obviously, they had the rematch and he won that fight handily. Uh, he beat Ryan Lafleur. Um, to finish Ryan Lafleur, he had the fight with Yancy Medeiros, which was an absolute barn burner. Um, one of the fights of the year. At the time, um, crazy, crazy fight. I, I think if he would have fought smarter in that fight, he he should have been the favourite, um, and he, he probably would have won that fight, but it's one of them. They just decided to, to bite down on the mouthpieces and go for it, didn't they? Which is, you know, entertainment for us. It's a, it's a win-win, for, especially for the fans. Um, and ever since then, he, he's bounced back, obviously, against Carlos Condit and uh, Perdasol Jr. So... Tough fight. Um, I'll break that one down closer to the time, but uh, it's it's going to be a close one that one. Um, and it's it's all going to come down to to what happens on the feet. I think obviously both men are uh, fantastic on the ground. Um, so so we'll see what happens with that one. But that is an important one at welterweight. Uh, that should um earn one of those two guys a uh, a fight against one of the top five in that division. I think. Uh, the other fight announced for UFC 231, Renato Moicano versus Mursad Bektic. Um, again, a very important fight at 145. Moicano's only loss is against the title challenger on that card, Ortega. Um, Bektic's only loss, obviously, that crazy fight against Darren Elkins, where he was winning the fight more than handily, and Elkins came back to KO him in the third. Um, and... They both bounced back. They both look very impressive. Um, in the recent wins, obviously Hanato Moicano, he submitted Cub Swanson, which is a, a huge win. Um, Cub Swanson's a, obviously a fantastic black belt on the ground, uh, animal on the feet, and and Moicano won, 
won that fight comfortably. Um, and then he had the the good decision win against Calvin Qatar. Uh, Mursad Bektic uh, had a competitive fight against Ricardo Lamas, uh, which he won. Then obviously knocked out Godofredo Pepe. Um, again, very, very, very close fight. Um, it'd be really interesting to see what what happens there. But I think whoever wins out of Moicano and Bektic... Um, if they're not the next in line for a title shot after that, they would have earned themselves a number one contenders fight. Uh, they really are two of the best at that division, so it's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see how that one plays out. Uh, Ricardo Lamas. Speaking of Ricardo Lamas, um, he's been uh, slated for a fight at UFC Buenos Aires against Darren Elkins. Um, obviously, again another important fight at one forty five. Um, the the main event at that event is uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio it's Neil Magny it's November the 17th I think um, both men have had a bit of a rough go of it recently obviously Lamas beaten by Bektic as I've mentioned um, he got absolutely starched by Josh Emmett in his fight before that uh, and Darren Elkins obviously had that crazy six fight win streak Um beating the likes of Michael Johnson, obviously the, the amazing come-from-behind win against Mursad Bektic, um, and his six-fight win streak, he he was rewarded with a, you know, a, a nothing fight against Alex Volkanovsky uh, in, in the middle of a, a poor card. Um, obviously, his, his winning streak was snapped there, um, and he's back to the drawing board with Elkins. For some reason, he's just never really got much preferential treatment from the UFC, um, and now he, he finds himself in a really tough stylistic matchup with Ricardo Lamas. Uh, it's a grinder's matchup. He's, it's just who, who's going to embrace the grind more, who's going to outwork the other, and um, that, that's what that one's going to come down to. Um, again, just like the others, we'll, we'll break that one down closer to the time. Gegard Mousasi's, um interestingly come out this week uh, pondering retirement saying that he could retire after his contract with Bellator is done he's got three more fights on that contract I believe um, he, he's arguably in the peak of his career now he's just had a career defining performance against Rory McDonald um, but he spoke candidly about um, the Shlomenko fight uh, he he's his first in Bellator, um, and and the damage that he took, he said, you know, the what the fans don't see behind the scenes is the damage I took in that fight, the damage that you can take in these fights. Obviously, he was he was punched very early on in the eye, um, said he didn't know if he was going to lose his sight, uh, and that's the sort of stuff that he worries about, and that could pay play a a big factor in in whether he decides to retire um, after this next contract. He did go on to say that if if he had three more fights like the one he had against McDonald, um, you'd obviously rethink that stance. But you know it's sensible from Musasi. Um, you you've got a for these guys. He's completely right in what he's saying. You don't see the damage that they're taking behind the scenes. You don't see the training camps and and the toll it takes on you. Um, and and the goal has to be to to make as much money as possible. Um, build uh the greatest legacy that you can build. And then get out when the time's right before it's too late. We see a lot of fighters go on for far too long, take more damage than they need to. Um, Musashi's not one of those fighters at this point. Um, so if he if he did have three more fights in Bellator um, and retired on top, 
I won't blame him at all. I think that'd be an excellent move. Be sad to see. Um, obviously, Musashi's one of the best, if not the best, uh, middleweight on the planet. Um, but yeah, it, it it'll depend how his next three fights go. I think. I think if he does win those three fights comfortably, um, he's not going to give up while he's in his prime. He'll go on a little bit longer. But once a fighter starts thinking about retirement, you've seen it before. It, it's you should start to wind it down from then. It's fighting's not a sport where you want to be half in, half out. You obviously got to be a hundred percent in there physically and mentally. So we'll see what happens with Gegard Musassi. But looked fantastic in his last fight. Obviously shouldn't shouldn't retire um any time before that contract's done. Um not while he's in the prime of his career like he is at the moment. Uh, last major news story of the week, John Jones. Um, obviously coming back at UFC 232 at the end of the year against Alexander Gustafsson for the light heavyweight title. Um, but he was spoken about briefly on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast this week. Um, I'm a big fan of the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. Um, obviously he was on there with his longtime friend, fellow comedian, Ari Shafir. Um, Ari Shafir, who's, who's obviously been to a lot of UFC events um, just through his relationship with Joe. Uh, and they were talking about the early days. Um, Irish Shafir obviously speaking about um when John was very early on in his career, um three or four four and zero at the time, uh said he was getting high, or wanted to get high with John at the time. So they went up to Joe Rogan's room in this hotel, um went into Joe Rogan's room, obviously got the weed going, the conversation was flowing, uh, and Joe said that he mentioned that John. You know, he was too good at the time for the camp that he was at, uh, that he needed to go to one of the real camps, one of the super camps. Um, John apparently responded at the time saying, you know, do you think so? Joe Rogan was like, I know so. You could be one of the all-time greats if you did. Um, whether that was the the big catalyst behind John Jones's decision to go to, to Jackson's in, in Albuquerque, who knows? Um, it can't have harmed. Um, Joe must have helped somewhat. Obviously, Joe... Holds a lot of respect in in the uh, Joe Rogan holds a lot of respect in the in the fight community and um, a lot of fighters um pundits analysts alike um have a lot of respect for what Joe has to say he's been involved in the sport for a long long time he's obviously the best commentator in the game best of all time um and he's seen a lot more fights than I think ninety nine point nine 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 percent of people on this planet when it comes to MMA so um interesting development. Uh, who knows, Joe? You you could have helped John Jones on on his way to being um arguably the greatest mixed martial artist of all time. Uh, but interesting little story. Um, I love podcasts like that, especially when when you're talking about the good old days of MMA. Um, because you get these these pieces of gold uh, in the forms of stories like this. Um, crazy things that used to happen in the sport. Um, it's nice to see uh, or hear a story rather about John Jones that, you know, just portrays him as a human. Like getting high with, with Ari Shafir and Joe Rogan rather than all the, the stories we hear about Joe at the moment, um John at the moment rather, uh surrounding all the steroid use and the failed drug tests, etc. etc. Um it's important to recognise that John Jones is still a person, a complex person at that. Um just an interesting little little look into his past, um, a more human moment for him. So, yeah, Joe Rogan, you you could have created one of the greats there, mate. You could have created one of the greats. We'll never know. Yeah. 
So, obviously, the big event this weekend is UFC Moncton, Vulcan Ozdemir against Anthony Smith. Um, the only other event that's happening this weekend, I just want to go over the main event quickly, is one fighting championship, Pursuit of Greatness. Uh, that is on the Friday night. That puts the current 1FC middleweight and cruiserweight champion, Ong Long Sang, against Mohamed Karaki. Um, Mohamed Karaki is obviously 9-0 beaten, Um He's only been the distance twice in his in his career. Um, the last two fights I've seen of of Karaki, uh, Salah uh, Kessi and Alan Mansur, uh, he's looked absolutely excellent. You know he's very well rounded. He's think he's won four of his fights by submission, three by KO, uh, either that or the other way around. Um, like I say, only two have gone the decision. He's a finisher. He gets after it. He's very aggressive. Um, and it, it should be a tough, tough fight for Ong Sang. But the deciding factor um, for me in this is it, it's the experience, really. Um, Ong Sang, he's... A massive star for for one FC. He's a massive star in in Asia. Um, he's he's a massive star, especially in his his home country of Myanmar. And he's hugely experienced. Um, he he started his career over ten years ago. He's had thirty four fights, and he's fought everywhere. He's he's not just been fighting in that area of the world like Mohamed Karaki has. He's fought in King of the Cage. Um, he's fought a ring in combat. He's he's had a bout in Bellator. You know, he's been everywhere and he, he's been in there with some good fighters as well. Um, you know, back in his ring of combat days, he, he was going up against the likes of Costas Philippou, um, a former UFC middleweight star, uh, Uriah Hall, obviously that we know know of in the UFC, another middleweight star, um, runner-up in the Ultimate Fighter Season 17 series. Um, he's just got a lot more experience Um. And he's fought some some good names over at One FC as well. Obviously, he his middleweight title he won um in his rematch with Vitaly Big Dash. Um, the first fight that they had was he lost by majority decision. Very very close fight. Obviously, that's that's why the rematch had to happen just to clear it once and for all. He he did win that fight more handily. Um, I thought he won the first fight as well. I think he should have two wins. Uh, rightfully over over Big Dash, but um he he righted that wrong. Obviously, it won the cruiserweight title against Alexandre Mercado. Um, that was a particularly nasty, nasty KO there. Um, in in that fight, um, set up set up the punches. Um, the, the knockout punches. Uh, with the big head kick before, he he's a superstar. Um, he's got a lot of confidence. You know that that big dash fight. He's on a a side. He's on a, a long winning streak now, and I'm not expecting um Mohamed Karaki to. To, to win this fight I think it'll go to decision uh, I think it'll be unanimous decision win for Ang Sang I just don't think Karaki's experienced enough yet I think this will be a good experience for him I fully expect him to, to come back strong from this um, in, in that division especially but I think Ang Sang a bit too much too soon um, for, for Karaki at this stage of his career uh, I, I'm predicting a, um, a unanimous, unanimous decision win there for, for the Myanmar star uh, UFC Moncton to to move to the big event of the weekend. Um, the the three main fights that I'm gonna break down quickly on on the main card. Um, you've got the light heavyweight clash between Misha Kirkunov um, and Pat Cummins. Um, 
Misha Sakunov, his last two fights have been rough. Um, he's he's one of those fighters in the the light heavyweight division where, as soon as he gets a, a considerable step up in competition, things tend not to look too good for him. Um, and that 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 shown, like I say, in his last two, um, the knockouts to to Volkan Ozdemir, and um, obviously very quickly in round one there. And the the other KO loss to Glover Teixeira, um, and Pat Cummins, I think you can say the same for Pat Cummins. To be honest, Pat Cummins he's six and five in the UFC. Obviously, got his big break in the UFC, um, when he he made his debut against Daniel Cormier. Obviously, um, all the drama that led up to their fight, Pat Cummins saying he he used to make DC cry in the wrestling room, um, that didn't. Uh, didn't end too well for him. Got him his his you know his ticket to the UFC. Fair fair play to him for for jumping on that opportunity, um. But he he was handily handily drubbed by by DC and DC's uh light heavyweight debut at the time, and and the other fights he's lost in the UFC you know Owen Saint Prue, Glover Teixeira, um, Nagera, all knockouts, um. You know just he step up step up against that upper echelon of the division, um against his highly skilled light heavyweights and he was coming up short every time. Um, the only time he's not been knocked knocked out and lost in division was was the, the close ish fight he had against Corey Anderson um in his, his last out and that, that obviously went to to decision. Um his wins in the division uh are as you would expect. Um obviously his first win the UFC was against Nevaez. He beat Kyle Kingsbury after that. Um Antonio Carlos Jr. shoe face that was a good win for him. Rafael Cavalcante, obviously former um former standout in Strike Force, that was a good win for him. Jan Blakowicz, um European standout. Jan Blakowicz uh, obviously having a bit of a renaissance in that division R- recently himself. That was a good win. Uh, Jean Valante uh, was another good win for him. Um and I think you can I think you can put Misha Sukunov um amongst them. I think Pat Cummins will get it done. Um I don't think it'll be a particularly entertaining fight. I think it'll go the distance, but I think Pat Cummins has got the experience um, and and the wrestling to to, to control a fight and uh, and get a decision win there. Um, if if he doesn't end by decision, if there was a stoppage, uh, I think you'll see a Misha Sukunov uh, win by submission. Obviously, he's very handy on the ground. He's got a, a, an excellent background uh, in in judo, I believe, um, and and you've seen his submission game play out in in the UFC before. Um, uh, and I'm being maybe unfair on Misha Sukunov. You know, he, he's won he's won some fights against some good competition. Um, the, the highlight one of his career is probably Nikita Krylov. But I just think Pat Cummins will be a little bit too much. Uh, I, th- I think you'll see a comfortable decision win for Pat. You'll see him go to seven five in uh, in his UFC run, um, and that should get him a, an upper echelon guy again. Uh, we'll see if we can break that hoodoo that he's got against the the top names in the division. The the co-main event of the evening is going to be uh, Michael Johnson against Artem Lobov. Obviously, Artem Lobov was supposed to face off against Zabira Tugahov. Um, after the drama from UFC 229, that is now not happening. Michael Johnson stepping in on short notice. Artem Lobov is an interesting case. I think you can say arguably that he wouldn't be in the UFC if it wasn't for his affiliation with Conor McGregor. 
He's uh, 13 and 14 in his career. He's 2 and 4 in the UFC. Um, and his losses, although he has lost against Andre Feely and Cub Swanson, who are uh, good, you know, outstanding fighters, really, at 145. His other two losses against Alex White and Ryan Hall um, tell you what you need to know about where um, Cub Swanson's um, skill levels are at. He's that his biggest attribute is that he's extremely tough and durable. Um, and he's funny. I sound like I'm being horrible against Lobov. You know, he's a he's a fun, entertaining fighter. He brings it every time. Um, and he's got those hands of stone. If he, if he lands on Michael Johnson, you know, by all means, it could be good night. He's got extremely heavy hands. Um, he he went on a very entertaining run when he was on the Ultimate Fighter, uh, all the way to the finale against Ryan Hall. Um, but I just think Michael Johnson he, he's far far uh, too good for him Michael Johnson in his UFC run he, he's been in there with the best um, he's got wins over Tony Ferguson uh, Dustin Poirier Gleason Tebow uh, Joe Lozon he's beaten Edson Barboza he, he, he's been in there with some of the very very best he's, he's had a bit of a, a tough run as of late Quite surprised he's sticking around at one forty five. To be honest, I think the cut is is probably a bit too much for him. Um, it's obviously something that might lean a bit towards Artem Lobov. Um, but you know, My- Michael Johnson's one of the most experienced lightweight slash featherweights in, in the UFC at this point. Uh, I just think he's going to overwhelm uh, Artem Lobov. Um, credit to Artem Lobov, like I said, he's very tough. I think it'll go to a decision. But I think you're going to see maybe a 30-26 or maybe even a 30-25 um, for the menace. I, I think his striking's much faster, much more crisp than than Artem's. Um, he's not going to go to the ground. Uh, I don't think it's just going to be a, a stand-and-bang kind of fight. None of them are interested in going down there, although Michael Johnson does have fantastic wrestling. Um, he could take it there if he, if he so wanted to, but... I think I think you're going to see a handy win on the feet for, for for Michael Johnson. You're going to see Artem Lobov take far too much damage, and and then what the UFC does with Lobov, who knows? Um, but yeah, that's that's another decision win that I'm predicting there for Michael the Menace Johnson. And in your main events of the evening, you've obviously got Vulcan Ozdemir against Anthony Smith. Um, look, at Anthony Smith first. You know, his last two wins. Against Rashad Evans and Shogun Hua, I've introduced him to a lot of fans. Um, but the truth of the matter is, he's been around for a long, long time. He is very experienced. Um, he's fought everywhere. You know, he's been in Bellator. He's fought in Strikeforce. Um, he actually made his UFC debut many moons ago when when Strikeforce um first crossed over into the UFC. Um, he he's last he was on the last ever Strikeforce card actually. Um. When he when he lost to Hodger Gracie um, by arm triangle, um, crossed over into the UFC from there. He, he lost again by submission against Antonio Brago Nato, um, and then he he went to a promotion called VFC where he, he lost to Josh Near. So he went through a bit of a rough patch in his career there. And um, the Josh Near fight a little later down the line, he obviously got back, um, winning that fight by stoppage. He's had good wins in his career. Um, obviously, Josh Neary's beaten Richard Evans and Shogun, who I've mentioned. Um, he had the fantastic win against Hector Lombard, uh, Brock Jardine, former UFC man. Um, he'd been there and done it. 
very capable fighter. Um, the, the question is with this fight is whether he is finally coming into his own um, and whether the move up to, to light heavyweight is a factor in that. He's always been a big, big boy at middleweight. Um, he's six four, I think. Uh, Anthony Smith. He's a huge, or was a huge uh, middleweight. He's much more perfectly sized for light heavyweight, and he's looked like a destroyer since he's uh, since he's come up. Obviously, his last loss um, was against Thiago Santos. Thiago Santos obviously has moved up to to light heavyweight now himself. Um, picked up that win against Derek Anders uh, last time he was out. He's slated to face Jimmy Manor in his next fight. Um, yeah, very entertaining fight against Thiago Santos. Obviously, lost that um fight by TKO. Um, Thiago Santos landing that nasty body kick and punches. Um, but he he's looked good against two former light heavyweight champions in in Rashad and Shogun. Since then, uh, and I think that is what this fight is going to come down to. Whether this is you know him entering his prime in his, in his career, um, and whether fighting at light heavyweight that heavier weight. Twenty pounds north is you know helping his performance. Volkan Ozdemir, you you know what you're getting with Volkan Ozdemir. Um, obviously he's had a very good run in the UFC. He had the the split decision win against OSP. Um, super close fight. Then proceeded to to starch Misha Sakunov. Um, in twenty eight seconds I think that was. Uh, Jimmy Manoa then he starched again. The first round of their fight, uh, that was like 47, 48 seconds, somewhere along that mark. That got him his title shot against Daniel Cormier. Um, put up a valiant effort, was was knocked out um, in, in the second round of that fight. DC, obviously, many, many, many echelons above uh, where Vulcan Ozdemir is. And my prediction for this fight, I think, is... One of them's going to knock out the other, and I'm leaning more towards Volkan Ozdemir. I think Volkan Ozdemir, um, as experienced as Anthony Smith is, I think Volkan Ozdemir, he starts quicker. Um, he has arguably been in there with a the better competition, I think, uh, especially in his UFC run. Um, and and I think. The fact that Ozdemir's got a highly successful kickboxing background as well, um, I, f- I would put his striking at a level above Anthony Smith's. Um, you're not going to see this fight go to the ground. If it did go to the ground, I think it would be a knockdown of one fighter or the other. Um, obviously, Anthony Smith has the big advantage on the ground, being a brown belt under Rodrigo Vaghi, who's obviously um, a black belt himself under Hickson Gracie. Some of you may have heard of Hickson Gracie. Uh, some say that he's one of the more talented of the Gracie family uh, when it comes to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, yeah, Anthony Smith, very, very well versed on the ground. Um, but I, f- I don't think that's going to play a factor in this fight. I think you're going to see a quick knockout more than likely. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Smith knocked out Vulcan Ozdemir. Um, it's going to be a barn burner for as long as it lasts, but I can see Ozdemir knocking Smith out very quickly. Um, I call it maybe... One or two minutes into the first round, um, it is pretty much a pick and fight. Uh, like I say, the 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 thing that makes me lean towards Ozdemir is I think he's arguably in there against tougher competition. Um, I think he's beaten the the better guys. Um, especially at this stage in in his UFC run, and uh, I, I think the, the the dangerous thing with Smith is 
the fact that Richard Evans and Shogun, who are obviously far past the best, as impressive as those performances were, uh, and the last time that Anthony Smith um, faced someone who was willing to give him a test, he obviously lost that fight against Thiago Santos. So, uh, yeah, predicting Ozdemir, round one, KO slash TKO. The only other fights I want to talk about on that card, um, obviously being a Brit myself, I have to have a look at Stevie Ray's fight on the card. He will be fighting Jess and Ayari. Um, Stevie Ray, he's had a semi-successful run in the UFC. Um, obviously, he's had a tough go of it recently. Um, he had the fight against uh, Paul Felder. Paul Felder's an animal, you know, he's one of the best lightweights in the world. Nasty KO loss there from elbows. And then he lost to Kajan Johnson, who's obviously highly talented as well. Um, but I think this is a winnable fight for Jess, um, for, for Stevie Ray, rather. Jess and Ayari, um, he big, big lightweight. He's cutting down from, from welterweight. Um, he, he's two fights in the, in the UFC. Uh, obviously, you've seen him uh, win a split decision against judo, Jim, uh, Jimmy Wallhead. Um, and then he he managed to push Darren Till to a decision, but that was uh, a long time ago. Um, I think with the cut to lightweight, um, the fact that he's had quite a long layoff, I, I think you'll see Stevie Ray win this fight. Um, I'm going to predict a third round TKO. Um, I think Stevie Ray's more than good enough um, to to get the win here uh, against Jess and Ayari. Um, and the other. Big fight from a from a British standpoint on the card, Chris Fishgold, Chris Fishgold rather, coming over from Cage Warriors where he was the lightweight champion. Obviously went eight and zero in Cage Warriors, and he he gets his uh, he gets a tough test here in Calvin Qatar. Um, the UFC are doing him absolutely no favors here at all. Calvin Qatar is a nightmare. Um, if it wasn't for um. Hinata Moicano in his last outing. Um I think that was at UFC two twenty three, um outpointing Calvin Qatar. You know, Calvin Qatar would now be on uh, on an eleven fight win streak. He was on a ten fight win streak before he came up against Moicano. Because Moicano's right at the cusp of title contention at the one forty five pound division. Um big fight for, for Chris Fishgold. Obviously he's cutting cutting down from, from lightweight, this is a fight at featherweight. Um I'm never going to go against my my former countryman. You know he went on a fantastic running cage warriors. Um, trains out of a of a great gym in in next generation uh, MMA in Liverpool. Um, obviously teammates with the the likes of um Paddy Pimblett, the Scout superstar. Um, who who's still playing his trading cage warriors. Um, I, I'm gonna back. Uh, I'm gonna back Fishgold all the way. I'm gonna say that he he gets it done by decision. Um, tough fight, like I say, the UFC are doing him no favors in in Calvin Qatar, but I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna put across a good account of himself. Um, and I think you'll see a decision win for for Chris Fishgold, backing him all the way. Absolutely not biased at all. Um, but I'm not gonna go in, against my my fellow countrymen. Um. Wish him all the luck in the world. Um, yeah, hopefully he gets that done. And that is pretty much that uh, for this week's um, episode of the Coldcast. Obviously, a bumper edition, tons of news to get through uh, with, with the UFC Moncton card as well this weekend. Uh, it should be a great card. Uh, next week's episode, we have uh, the breakdown of UFC 230. There's some fantastic fights on that card, obviously headlined by Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis for the UFC heavyweight title. Um, 
Derek Lewis obviously on a short turnaround from his 2-2-9 win against Alexander Volkov, where he, um, to pardon my French, um, won by knocked the fuck out. Uh, landing that massive right hand on Volkov with about 10 seconds left on the clock. That's earned him his, his heavyweight ticket uh, to a title shot against uh, DC. I'll break that down next week. Um, and knowing the sport that we all uh, know so much and love, uh, it'll probably be a hectic week of news as well. Obviously, some stories were waiting to develop. It could well be that the, the trade-off, uh, the DJ Ben Askren trade-off between 1FC and UFC, it is announced in that time. Um, sure to see more developments with, with what's going on from the fallout from Conor Khabib. Um, and obviously fights have been announced all the time with, with uh, fight cards starting to take shape now for the for the big pay-per-views left this year. Uh, obviously 231 to come uh, and 232 both in December and uh, on all the fight nights as well. So yeah, next week, breakdown. UFC 230 um, very much looking forward to, to doing that it's going to be a hell of a card very fun fight card um, definitely worth uh, investing in that pay-per-view especially for you British fans like me who have to stay up till 6 o'clock in the morning That's it's going to be a good one to stay up for um, as always I'm going to fire this podcast out everywhere um, please give us a follow on Facebook uh, we are at Cole's conclusions on Instagram and Twitter it is at the Colcast. Give us a follow, give us a like, and please listen to the podcast. Um, rate it, share it. Um, we are available everywhere now. Um, the last piece in the puzzle was getting onto Apple Podcasts, which we are now on there. So please give us a five star rating if if you're enjoying the podcast. Um, please keep sending me your your messages, your feedback. Um, apart from that, you know. Over fifty lessons of the, of the first podcast last week. It doesn't sound like a massive number, but you've got to start somewhere. And I am massively grateful to to everyone who's um come back to me with praise and feedback and and listen to the podcast. Uh, appreciate you all, really do. Um, and this is very much a passion project for me. I absolutely love the sport of MMA. I I love looking um at fights. I love looking at news. I love providing my analysis and my, my conclusions of what's going on, fights to come, fights that have been um, and I will adhere to keeping this um, going for, for every Thursday every week for you all um, and provide an extra podcast here and there where I can, so yeah thank you very much for, for tuning in uh, this has been episode 2 of the Colcast, episode 2 of what will be many I am your host Chris Collins and I will speak to you soon